0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans,
1: after all, it's only pressure, you got this,
2: Adidas. Station now number one for podcasting. From the Jeff Rose Barbecue Studios, where every Tuesday, buy 10 wings, get 10 wings free. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now
0: on 106.3 FM. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Tuesday as we talk the world of sports. Taking it up until noon here today, Trent Condon joined for the next couple of days by my man from the Des Moines Register. You see him writing on wrestling, high school sports, and whatever else pops up. He is Cody Goodwin with us here today. What's happening, Cody?
1: Oh, not a whole lot, man. Found some time to, um, you know, between work, to squeeze in a little bit of time with you here over the next couple of days. I appreciate you reaching out and having me. No,
0: always enjoy our conversations together. Of course, we'll hit on a little wrestling here. We'll also hit on everything else going on across the the world of sports and what's happened here over the last day, but... Lots of stories to get into, and we know he is the wrestling guy at the register, but you wear many different hats over there, including writing about the state golf tournament. That's what you've been doing the last day?
1: Yeah, man. All three of them are taking place in Ames this week, um, which is really cool. What One at Coldwater, one at Vinker, one at the Ames Golf and Country Club, so... Um, which has been easy for those who want to, you know, go up and watch some, some good golf. It's class 3A, 2A, 1A. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I've been following. And then what the girls' state golf tournament takes place Thursday, Friday. So those are a little bit more spread out. But the, uh, the 4A, all the large schools, they'll actually be at Otter Creek and Ankeny. Oh, wow. Um, on Thursday, Friday. So yeah, it's, it's that time of the year where there's a lot of different postseasons going on in addition to, um, you know, a handful of wrestling stuff here that that we're keeping tabs on. And, um, you know, baseball and softball season started this week, too. So, we're, we're, we're keeping plenty busy.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. you got state golf going on. Last week, it was state track and, and some incredible performances out of there. How about uh, Sama from Southeast Polk and the long jump that he had? Oh, just
1: a, and Jack Latham, yes. um, who's headed to Iowa State to run track and field, like, just torched the record in the 110 high hurdles. Like, that was incredible.
0: Got to give a shout-out to my dude, uh, Brevin Dahl, over at ADM, who – Barely uh, got the championship as the kid that he was running up against, dove for the finish line, and he just got him by a nose at the end in Class 3. Just some incredible performances out there. State track, that's one thing. State track, you know, it's something. How do you write about golf? I, I love golf. I love watching golf. I love going inside golf and, and certainly the majors, and we talk about that, Ken and myself, a lot here on our show. High school golf, though, how different is it writing about those kind of performances—it's got to be feel a little different, right?
1: Maybe a little bit, but I mean, it's the same. It's the same idea, right? Who—who's the winner? How did they win? Who did they beat? How much did they beat them by? You know, like the the who, what, when, where, why, mm-hmm. right? You know, like the the simple, basic stuff. You know, and then in addition to the individual stuff, which is what we normally pay attention to when it comes to like PGA and the majors and stuff like that—is there's a team aspect, right? Yeah. So you know, you got you know the the 12 teams that qualify for each of the class state tournaments and. Um, you know, they take the four lowest scores, you know, cause I think all the teams that qualify, you can bring six golfers and then the four yeah. lowest scores combined, um, you know, you can crown a team champ out of that too. So, and there's, there's a couple of local teams. I know Gilbert, um, pretty good control in, in class three, a, um, coming into day two. Um, you know, there's what Des Moines Christian has the leader in class two a Um, so there's, yeah, there's, you know, there, there it's. It's it's the same idea, but yeah, there's there's maybe I I don't want to say there's a trick to it, but it's just like more things to maybe pay attention to a little bit. Right.
0: Well, with that, Cody, uh, want to talk about kind of what's going on in your world? And I love wrestling, as you know, I'm not as deep into it as of you, but kind of what's happening in the world of wrestling right now, what what we're going through, what we're getting ready for, and it's probably going to lead at a collegiate level to the conversations of what's going to happen with NIL as we see what's kind of been the conversation piece here the last couple of months, and after what happened, Tyrese Hunter leaving Iowa State, that's been a big talking point, the collectives, what that's going to be, how that pertains to collegiate wrestling, which is such an important thing here in the state of Iowa. Just an overview first, kind of how you see it and how you see these NIL and these collectives, how it's going to work in the wrestling landscape, which is much different, certainly, than college football and basketball.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I and I don't think... There's a lot of similarities between like how NIL has worked for college football and basketball, and how it's worked for for college wrestling, right? Like it's a lot of smaller, um, you know, you don't have these wrestlers signing these huge deals with like Adidas and Nike or Gatorade or things like that. You've got a few, you know, decent-sized ones here and there. You know, like Spencer Lee from Iowa, he signed in, uh, you know, an NIL deal with Rudis, which is a, a pretty major wrestling outfitter. Um, you know, you've seen a lot of Iowa wrestlers specifically have partnered actually with, uh, you know, Mark Ironside's, Mm -hmm. um, Ironside apparel just out of Cedar Rapids, you know, and he's kind of helping them with t-shirts and, um, you know, various types of gear and hats and, and stuff like that, you know, nothing super crazy or major, like a lot of these deals, like we see in, in football and basketball, none of them are like huge or groundbreaking. There's a few of them that kind of poke through the surface and are, you know, these huge, you know, maybe six figure NIL deals, or maybe guys are walking around with trucks. Like I know Alex Marinelli got a truck. Um You know, so so there's that one. But there's not I mean, there's not not a lot of them are huge, um, you know, but that's you know, that's just for the case of like Iowa, Iowa State, you and I like a lot of their stuff is more like, you know, hey, we've got personalized shirts now that you can represent your favorite wrestler. You can, you know, support your favorite wrestler. Um, haven't seen a ton of like huge groundbreaking ones. And honestly, I didn't think we'd see a ton of that. Like a lot of them, I think the phrase I used was like hyper local. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them are going to be smaller operations as opposed to like, you know, thinking that these athletes are going to go sign with, you know, whatever the case may be. And and you've seen in, in, the, in the wrestling world at large, like you've seen a few others like sign bigger deals, right? Like Minnesota heavyweight Gable Steveson after winning the Olympics last summer, right? Like he did, you know, he, he signed a deal with WWE and part of that deal was to allow him to wrestle his senior season at Minnesota. So he won another NCAA title. Um, You know, some wrestlers have latched on with, you know, smaller mini deals um, with some other wrestling outfitters. Like they're nothing huge, but it's, you know, a place where they can go support, um, you know, or get support or make t-shirts or stuff like that. So, you don't see a ton of it in wrestling, um, you know. But the but the smaller opportunities for these kids to be able to cash in on their stardom, especially in a place like Iowa, Iowa State, you and Iowa wrestling is it's it's important here, right? Um, you know those kids are able to take advantage of you know smaller NIL deals here and there, which has been really cool, right? That, that that's what we wanted, right? We wanted right. these kids to be able to take advantage of those opportunities.
0: Well, it feels like just listening to you that the wrestling at least landscape is what we all thought NIL was going to be. For the most part, yeah. yeah. It's it's not, it's going out there and, hey, you're going to do a commercial for the car shop and here's a truck. You know, those kind of things. You're going to go out there, you're going to get an apparel deal. And if you sell 100 t shirts, yeah, you're gonna get a couple hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, yeah and I think what you know, Michael Kemmer and David Carr are you know they have a deal with Fairway. You know, mm-hmm. like they created their grocery list, like you know, because nutrition's obviously a huge deal in the wrestling world. Yeah. So you know, like they and I don't know what the specifics are of a lot of these deals, but you know, like I know those two guys specifically have posted on you know their social media accounts, like, hey, here's. Um, you know, David Carr's grocery list, right? Like yeah. this is what he uses to fuel up on off days, on on days, when he's training, when he's doing this, here's why he gets it. You know, Michael Kemmerer does the same thing, you know, Alex Marinelli to use him again. He, um, you know, uh, the bread garden in Iowa city, like <laughs> very hyper local, but you know, it's something that he's able to kind of, you know, utilize his bowl moniker and kind of, you know, tap in a little bit to his, you know, Iowa wrestling, like that Iowa wrestling fandom probably takes care of him a little bit through that deal with the, uh, you know, the bread garden down there in Iowa city of hyper-local deals like it, it yeah the way at least that i've seen it so far is this nil stuff the the way people thought it would kind of be rolled out um that's how i'm seeing it so far in the wrestling world just very smaller hyper-local things and these kids are you know just a little extra cash in their pocket right cody goodwin there i'm trent condon it's miller and condon here on KXO can be back with us
0: on friday And he is in Vegas right now. Very jealous about that. Good for him. Started in California, now in Vegas, and hanging out with our uh, dudes at Circa here the next couple of days. Cody, uh, all right, so I want to go a step further. We got Bill Bender coming up later in the second hour. We'll talk college football with him and just the continued conversation about NAL. So let's leave wrestling aside. What you're deepest into, obviously, is wrestling. But when you look at what's happening, last week... Saban versus Jimbo, which was so good. It really was. I just,
1: seeing those two guys go at each it's other. It's a shame they have to, for SEC media days, they're on separate days.
0: Oh, right? there's no doubt. The, the public reprimand that's handed down by the SEC, just on and on. It's so good because we don't get, certainly in college football, and certainly in the SEC, where it's the good old boys and say, hey, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And, and now they're out and they're talking about it and they're going after each other. But there's two schools of thought. That this is going to normalize, that these collectives that are being put together, the ones that aren't quote-unquote doing it the right way, that are just using it as an inducement, that the NCAA NCAA is going to get together and they're going to figure out a way to make this at least as even as possible for everybody. And the other ones that say, this is going to be the Wild Wild West and this is the way that college athletics is. When you look at the big picture, you look at basketball, you look at, at college football, how do you see the future? How do you see this playing out in this world that we live in now with the NIL and collectives? I mean
1: personally I I the rich is going to get richer right like that's you know, when has there ever been you know quote unquote competitive balance in anything that's not pro sports right like the NFL has competitive balance figured out but like college football it's never been competitively balanced and the way with the with the NIL deals rolling out and and these collectives that these schools are putting together like It's going to continue to not be, you know, like Iowa State's going to put together a collective and it's going to be awesome for the Iowa State athletes, but I don't know that that collective is going to be able to hang with the collective down at Alabama and at those SEC schools, right? In much the same way that like before these collectives came about, like no offense to what Matt Campbell has been doing at Iowa State, like a far cry from what SEC football is, right? Big 12 Mm -hmm. versus SEC, Big 10 versus SEC, same thing with Iowa going on there and all the Big 10 schools, like it's... I. I don't know that much is actually going to change, so maybe in that way these collectives aren't as scary as maybe some people think they could be or think they might be or think they already are, Um, you know, because we already know that, you know, Alabama and Auburn and LSU and all these, you know, big-time SEC programs already have, you know, they've got big boosters that are going to funnel hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars into those programs so that all those kids are taken care of in one form or another, whether it's, you know, fully endowed scholarships or brand new facilities or brand new stadiums or whatever the case may be. And so now these, you know, all these collectives and what they're going to do, like, you know, you can kind of skip the middleman, so to speak. So, like, the money is going to be able to go straight to the kids, which is fine, you know, but like Georgia's program, for example, is probably going to be a ton more funded than say, you know, a Purdue or a Michigan State or something like that. Like, I don't know that too much is actually going to change um you know will the rich get a little bit richer maybe like will going to alabama or an sec program offer a little bit more in the way of nil and money in their pockets probably but you know i maybe maybe we see schools like texas and usc make a comeback because we know they've got big boosters and they haven't been able to really produce on the field over the last few years you know maybe um you know a school like stanford like not that they ever like dropped off quote unquote but like maybe they remain a ton more competitive maybe you know Oregon and and, you know maybe maybe a lot of these other schools that have big money backers become a lot more competitive because they're able to win you know a few more recruiting battles You know, and pull superstar recruits away from SEC schools. Maybe that's the the biggest change. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if Iowa and Iowa State, maybe they do, you know, which would be a lot of fun if, you know, superstar high school football players start coming to Iowa State and Iowa and they're able to compete with the Ohio States and, you know, the the other, you know, the top of the Big 12 and, and, you know, contend with the teams in the SEC. I just don't think too much is going to change. And maybe that's naive of me, but I I don't know. What do you think? Well, I look at it the same way because. I've maintained Nick Saban has ruined college football
0: the last 15 years. and and But his teams are so fun to watch. They, they are fun to watch. I enjoy them. My wife's an Alabama fan because, long story, but yes, I watch a lot of Alabama football and I enjoy it. Because and if it spurs a
1: team like Georgia to recruit so heavily and so well that Kirby Smart literally can't screw it up, mm-hmm. then heck yeah, man, let's do it. I'm, this is fun.
0: But the reason that I think that he's ruined college football is we talk about, You know, everybody having a playing, even playing service. We go into every year now in college football. Realistically, there are only three or four teams that can win a national championship. Not get to a playoff, but win the whole thing. You have to be... But it's been that way for a
1: long time, though, right? Like what? But Saban,
0: I think, is the one that took it to another level. Where there was, even in the early 2000s, there was a lot more parity than there is today. There were a lot more teams that was also a different system where he didn't have to win a conference championship game, a semifinal game, then a championship game on top of it. Because I Notre Dame can't do that. In today's iteration, now they're recruiting better, and we'll see what Marcus Freeman can do, but the way it's set up, Notre Dame cannot win a national championship. They're not good enough. Auburn can, when they got the right guys. Alabama can, Georgia can, Ohio State can, and that's pretty much the list. That The list is incredibly small that can win it all, and that's a problem for college football. I ultimately think that this is something that is going to play even things out a little bit more. Texas A&M, they can get involved. And Oregon can get involved. And, and more and more schools get involved. You mentioned the USC and Texas. We have more schools that can spend, more schools that are willing to do it
1: at the top level. And ultimately, I think this is going to be a good thing for at least the parity of college football. Well, so forward. then let me ask you this. if there's, So if we go into every season where there's only three, four, five teams that we think that can win it, does it make the I mean, does it make it any better if that list of three, four, five becomes a list of seven, eight, nine? Like, I think it's so. still it's you know. And but how many college football programs are there, right? Like right. it's still like, there's one hundred thirty, right? Like that's where I'm like com- competitive balance. It's never there's never been that like there's never been that in mm-hmm. college football like almost never. And maybe maybe it's because I'm young and I don't remember Nebraska winning or right. you know when Colorado was on top of the Big Twelve and they were contending for these titles. Like that's you know like the like the I grew up a Mizzou fan. Mm-hmm. The 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 two thousand and seven season when Missouri and Kansas were on top of the college football world seems so far away. Yeah. And even then they didn't you know, they didn't get to the national title game, right? Like Kansas got to the Orange Bowl, Missouri mm-hmm. lost to Oklahoma twice and you know, that that was it. Like that's I you know, but like those that that's the anomaly, right? Because it's been mostly SEC and I mean it's been SEC forever, seemingly. Yeah. But even before then it was, you know, Oklahoma, USC. And that's just kind of the way it was, and like Tennessee was in the mix before. You know, you had that string of like Oklahoma and the Matt Liner Reggie Bush, USC teams, and since then it's been you know SEC. Like I just I don't I don't know how much more competitively balanced it'll actually be.
0: But if that number goes from five to ten, at least it's a step in the right direction. And on top, of I can't it, disagree with that. Yeah, if you expand the playoff and instead of four teams getting in, you got twelve teams
1: that are getting in. Well, that might—that's a different conversation entirely, right. and I'm totally for it.
0: And then you're shooting for hey, your ultimate goal, if you're Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa State, is to get there and maybe win a game. You know, you're you're the sixth seed and beat the eleven, or if you're eleven and pull an upset against the sixth. That's that's ultimately probably what your goal is. You look across the goal for in college basketball, yeah, you all want to win a national championship, Just get but to the dance for a lot of them, yeah, it's getting there. It's winning a game. It's getting to the second weekend. Those kind of things. St. Peter's had an incredible run. Are people going to remember, yeah, but they lost. No, it's going to be about the run. It's about getting there. Florida Gulf Coast. You don't remember the loss that Florida Gulf had to Florida in the Sweet 16. You remember the two games before it in Dunk City and how much fun that was. And and I think with a 12-team college football playoff, that's what's going to be for that next tier team. After we get past the top 10, 12 programs in the country, it's about getting there. And it's a realistic goal that you can shoot for and get there and maybe win a game. You're not going to win the whole thing, but that's okay. Okay. Because at least you're
1: part of the dance. Well, and that's what. Well, I was going to say, like, that's what makes a twelve-team playoff all the more intriguing because, mm-hmm. like, you don't know, right? Like, you just like maybe they do get there and they're able to string together a few things, and you know, because when you get to the playoff, it's a one-off, right? right? Like, it's how well can you scheme for a week to get ready for Alabama? You know, because we saw that this year, right? Like Alabama, like that in the SEC championship game when they beat Georgia, that was incredibly well-executed game plan. And then we saw the second time they played that Georgia's just too damn good, right? Right? right. Like that's just that's just how it goes. So I like that you know the playoff it's it's a one off and it's really intriguing and I want to see it expand. Um, It seems like a separate conversation, maybe tangential to the you know NIL collective thing. What is that going to do for competitive balance? But. Yeah, no, I, I'm all in on trying to expand the playoff. I'm just, I, you know, the, the, but the, you know, the ten, twelve teams that the NIL and collectives might, you know, expand the list of actual true national title contenders. Like that might be, like that, that might make up the playoff every year.
0: We'll get into that more. Bill Bender he'll join us about 11:25 here this morning. Cody, let's take a look back at what we saw in the world of sports last night, including another night, another NBA blog. Tatum.
2: Pritchard, Brown, Brown, inside, another bad shot off the glass.
0: Spectacular defensive performance from the Celtics tonight. Pritchard fakes, pull up two corner, Peyton Pritchard rattles it in. So we got Peyton Pritchard going off, we got the Celtics dominating, they jump out, what, 18-1 last night. It's just another night where, I love the NBA, I love betting on the NBA, I enjoy it. When we get to spring and playoff time, I'm not a regular season guy by any means. After the first round. Ra- yeah, the first round of the playoffs was great. Eh, semifinals were eh, okay. And here we are. And just every single night we're getting blowouts and
1: this can't be very good for the league. They can't be real happy with this. Can we can we get something that goes to the last two minutes, please? See, this is where like as a wrestling guy who is also a sports fan, this is when I start paying attention. Sure. You know, because I I'll sit and watch you know realistic you know 21 games because that's max how many are left when you get to the conference finals um i don't know like that's just but that's also like when i see you know the fact that like the celtics won by 20 like that's okay like that's the game like they won game four it's a best of three now get ready set go right like that's you know and i don't like i would like to see a close game but i'm also like I'm the type of basketball fan where, like, close games last too dang long. <laughs> right. You know, because <laughs> yeah. they're calling timeouts, uh-huh. fouling, doing this, doing that. And it's just like, is, is it worth it? Like, you got another game you can play, you know? Like, I, I, maybe that's the wrong mindset to have.
0: But. No. no. Well, <laughs> you're not alone in <laughs> that thinking, no
1: doubt. Because, yeah,
0: they get, they get very slow. And it's better in the NBA than it is in the college game where things really slow down.
1: I, I will say this. Like, as someone who is very clearly not a basketball diehard and, like, you know growing up in Kansas City we didn't have a hockey team so like tuning into the NHL playoffs and tuning into the NBA playoffs when you get to the conference championship games i enjoy the series aspect of it because i like it gives me time to like actually get to know the teams that are playing cuz mm-hmm. i don't pay attention to right. them like yeah. i don't you know like and I, a lot of other people do which is fine like that's that's your cup of tea i'm a wrestling guy that's what i do um so like, you know, the like I'm a little I, I don't want to see the Warriors sweep because like I want it, like everybody was going crazy over Luka Doncic and I'm just like, "Oh, I kind of want to see him play a little bit more just so I can like actually like feel like I got to know the guy and see how he actually played the game." Mm-hmm. Like the Warriors are probably going to win the series, but like, you know, 2-2 between Boston and Miami like, "Heck yeah, man, sign me up." Yeah. Like I'm, I you know, I like I'm watching these teams in depth for the first time and even then I'm you know, as a wrestling guy, I'm probably not exactly 100% sure of what I'm watching, but I like. I don't. I guess I don't mind the blowouts as much, um, just because it's you know, like it's it's two two. Like so, there were equal number of blowouts either ways. You know, in in theory at least. I know a couple of these games have been close.
0: Let's go to the Blues and Avs over to the NHL as the Avalanche take a commanding three one lead in the series.
1: Fire him. now it's McCarr. Power play over. Save Husso. Fire him again. Kadri scores. It won't be a power play goal, but it will be a 4-1 lead on the second of the game for Nazem Kadri.
0: They go on to win it 6-3, advance 3-1 lead now in the series for them. And Tampa sweeps away the Panthers last night. The two-time defending champions in the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning, on to the conference finals where they wait. The winner of Carolina and the New York Rangers. That game happening, game four tonight, 6 o'clock, 8.30. It'll be the Battle of Alberta, Calgary, and Edmonton.
1: Yeah, that uh, the battle for Alberta has been a very entertaining series to watch. Like that's what... it started
0: with that first one, the one nine six. Yeah, like, hey, like that I'm was in. awesome.
1: Yeah, like that I was like, yeah, I'm in. Like I don't, you know, like I don't follow hockey. Like I know less about hockey than I do about basketball. And like as a wrestling person, I don't know anything about basketball. <laughs> right. So like watching hockey, like that's you know, I came of age when the Blackhawks. Like I, my hockey fandom started with the Blackhawks when they were all winning those cups, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because I went to school with a bunch of people that were from Chicago, and so like that's what. You did in yep. the springtime. You sat and watched the Blackhawks. Um so like I it's just it's been fun, entertaining hockey, right? And like the game last night, um, like that was just a really cool story with the hat trick after he was, you know, I what, there was some Online bullying that mm-hmm. took place, or I, it's probably worse than that. But, you know, then to see him come through in a big game and also to give the Avs, like, um, you know, a 3 1 series lead over St. Louis and says someone from Kansas City, love it when St. Louis suffers. <laughs> like, just. So you're, you're not a blues guy, is what you're saying? Not, I have no reason to hate the blues. Yeah. Like, so I don't, like, hate them. It's just like, oh, like, St. Louis is struggling. So that's where
0: it is. Like, even if Kansas City doesn't have something, you can't like St. Louis things. You grew up in KC.
1: Yeah. I mean, like. For the it, most part. It's it like it's fun to see them do well, you know, because it's like you know Missouri pride, hooray! Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like as someone from Kansas City, it's like yeah, you know, like I, I wasn't all that upset when the Rams left. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha.
0: Okay. All right. I see how it is. Let's finish up with a little baseball. Speaking of uh, St. Louis, the birdies on the bat get a walk off in grand
2: style. The one, two. Goldschmidt hits it out to left, and this will do it. And he does it in grand style. It's a grand slammer. A walk-off grand slam.
0: Call from Bally Sports Midwest as the walk-off winner in extras for Paul Goldschmidt. They went at 7-3 against the Blue Jays to open up the series there. St. Louis, Steve's just keeps hanging around there behind
1: the brewers in the NL Central. Maybe it's envy, but I just don't like how they win all the time. Like yeah. they just they all their small small market team that has right. just figured it out and like there's a level of respect, but it's also like I mean last night was a cool moment. And that was a great call. Mm. Um, you know, just like as a baseball fan, like a walk-off grand slam like that's really cool. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, like hey, I got to give the Cardinals credit, man. Like they just they they find ways to win all the time and they find ways to compete all the time. Like, you know, you like sometimes like it's fun to see St. Louis suffer, but sometimes Mm -hmm. you just got to tip your cap.
0: Well run organization. It's it's fun to watch, fun to root for. You know, I'm a Bears fan. That's not a well run organization, (laughs) and it annoys the crap out of me to see even the Vikings, who obviously haven't had the success, but at least they're a well run organization. I feel. Look at the Packers. Obviously a well run organization. It's when you see a team, the respect that you have to have for somebody like the Cardinals. It just they know how to build a team. They know yeah. how to build an organization.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Let's finish up here. Speaking of walk-offs, well, they're not all created equal. Another one in baseball last night. It's my Minnesota Twins. A walk-off off a glove. Here's the call.
2: Ground ball. Great stop. It's short, of the short. The run will score off the glove of Baez. And the Twins walk off the Tigers.
0: Brown ball back to short, bounces off the glove. They needed to try to get a double play. There were runners at the corners there with one out. They were trying to get the double play. Instead, bounces off his glove, enough for the run to score. And the Twins win it as they continue to hold on to the lead in the American League Central over the White Sox. So, you're a Boston fan. Red Sox are playing better here over the last week. Figuring it out. Figuring it out. (laughs) You see the Yankees last night, they lose, but... Another two home run game for Aaron Judge. How nuts that dude is. Seventeen bombs already. I mean, this is just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. He's they, on pace for sixty eight. They well do and they're still on pace to win like a hundred some games. Yeah. Like even though they've they're what? I pulling up the stats here, they've they've lost three in a row and they're still twenty nine and thirteen. Not bad. Um like that's just a little bonkers. Um you know, but also like I don't know. I guess I'm of the belief that sometimes baseball's a little bit more fun when the superpowers are good. Yeah. And like they give you something to chase. Like I don't want to see the Yankees win the whole thing. Like to be honest, I'd love to see like the Rays or the Blue Jays. Like make a if it can't be Boston, mm-hmm. let it be one of those other two teams because just like that would that would just be fun, right? You know, or like I guess I feel for Twins fans because I know so many of them. Mm-hmm. You know, like that is that is a a franchise with some miserable memories. Eighteen right?
0: straight playoff losses.
1: Yeah. Eight- Team. Think of that, like In baseball. It would be kind of fun to see them, you know, continue to play well, make a push, make things exciting. You know, I I don't know if win a playoff game that too. I don't know <laughs> if they've got the juice to get there and do that and like actually make a, a honest run at it. But you know, like baseball's funny like that, mm-hmm. man. Like if you get hot at the right time and you figure it out, boom. The like Braves last year
0: happen. didn't get over five hundred until August. Yeah,
1: right. Win the like, World like, Series and what they, they made what. One trade, two trades. Like yeah. they didn't really do a whole lot.
0: Brought a couple of guys in, but yeah. they were looked like filler pieces. They brought in Jorge Soler, who goes on to be the MVP. It well, just...
1: Soler and Jock Peterson, yeah. I think. You know, he just injected juice into that lineup and the, into that clubhouse and then boom. Like sometimes that's all it takes. Crap.
0: A couple of outfield bats and another arm or two, and all of a sudden you're World Series champions. They just Got kind of the right breaks. Baseball's funny that way. we got a long ways to go, but we're
1: coming up to our first checkpoint, if you will. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not even June yet, yeah. so I, it's kind of funny to hear you say, yep. like, oh, they're hanging on to the top of the division. It's like, it doesn't matter yet. No, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. Speaking of
0: baseball, let's try to give away $1,000 right now with our $1,000 home run. Go to KXNO.com and enter the keyword FUN. Fun at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000 again. Fun at KXNO.com. And this Nationwide Contest. We're going to take a quick time out. Coming back on the other side, we're going to talk about Cody's hometown. That is Kansas City. What's the latest on the Royals' new stadium? What are the Chiefs going to do? And we'll talk some Chiefs football also. Nick Afton is going to join us as we continue. It's Miller & Condon on 106.3.
1: To learn more about donating
2: plasma. Back to Miller & Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.
0: Back with you on a Tuesday, it's Miller and Condon, Trent Condon, joined by Cody Goodwin today. So Cody, grew up in Kansas City, he went to the dark side, became a Red Sox fan instead of a Royals fan, but you're your fan of Kansas City Chiefs football is certainly there. What's the last couple of years been like after seeing some interesting teams, but never Super Bowl contenders? What it's built into now the last four years? Dude, it's been like magical.
1: Um... And I know they only have one Super Bowl to show for, but, like, you know, they've got more playoff wins in the last four years than they had in the previous, what, 25 yeah. of my lifetime. Like, we have the unicorn quarterback that's not, you know, he's he's a guy that we drafted. He's not the, you know, the 49ers backup who came to kind of, you know, quote-unquote finish his career in Kansas City. Like, we've you know they a lot of a lot of this team that you know we've been watching the last few years has been you know has been built from the ground up with the occasional marquee trade in you know like we brought in Tyron Matthew mm-hmm. um you know I guess you can count Sammy Watkins but like drafted Travis Kelsey drafted um you know Tyreek Hill who I know we just traded away but you know I, a lot of you know the defense like a lot of the defense is a bunch of guys that we've drafted right Chris Jones the secondary Nick Bolton Willie Gay Jr um, you know the offensive line outside of Joe Tooney and Orlando Brown, which I, you know, that's I guess that's two out of the five. But you know, a lot of these guys like we brought in and built up and and you know helped develop and. Um, you know, it's just been really fun. Like Andy Reid came in, and we weren't quite sure. Like, oh, how's this going to work? And like, literally, I don't. He hasn't had a losing season yeah. since we've been in Kansas City, right? Like, it, it's been different. Yeah, dude. It's just it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's you you wonder for a long time. You know, like, oh, is my can my franchise be a franchise like that? Like the team that I root for, can they be a team like that? That's uh, you know, year in and year out, a perennial contender, and not just you know a paper tiger contender sure. like they were for years. Like, can they actually be that team? And They have been like, it's been, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been, you know, I, I don't like, I don't like you wonder what that's like, like when you have that dude behind center. And I know that, you know, that there's more to it, you know, that goes into it than just the quarterback, but like. Yeah, like Mahomes is like a force multiplier. And so, like, to have a dude like that behind center, like, everything else is just so much more interesting and fascinating. And it's 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 easier to become a fan, right? Like, it's easier to just kind of sit back and enjoy the show.
0: Well, you can see certainly the fandom there with Cody. And another guy that has been with this team for a long time, he is Nick Athan, who covers them, a Chiefs insider. And he joins us here today. Hey, Nick, uh, thanks for jumping on with us. And you can see the fandom coming uh, for my partner today, Cody. <laughs> certainly loving uh, his Kansas City Chiefs there. Nick's exciting time, even as the division gets. It's better, and and everything else going on.
2: It's certainly easy
0: to be a Chiefs fan right now. Welcome, Nick.
2: Hey, hey thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Cody, great to uh, chat with you. Um, you know, it's it's a great time, and bring it on, man. The divisions, uh, the division is stacked. Uh, the AFC is stacked. Um, you know, the Chiefs have never been fearful of any challenges. They've never been afraid of playing opponents home or on the road. Um, it's a different mentality, like you mentioned, Cody, since Andy came on board and. Yeah, we all thought, Yeah, is this the right choice? It makes a lot of sense, but I don't think I don't think any of us expected that he would, you know, turn this into, you know, multiple winning seasons, what, six AFC titles in a row, FC West titles. Um, it's just a remarkable run. Of course you've got the quarterback to do it. You got the right head coach. And, you know, I'll argue for for comparison's sake, I think going into this year, this is probably one of the more balanced teams. Offense, defense, special teams—you um, probably one of the deepest teams that Andy Reid's ever had in Kansas City. So, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Tough, tough starts to the season. Pretty rough schedule the first uh, six, to eight weeks. But uh, you know, when you're the champs, everybody's coming after you. So, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day what the schedule is or isn't.
0: With the departure <laughs> Ty- Tyree Kill, the one thing that I wonder is how how this is going to be spread out. It feels like it's going to be. You know, more kind of democratic, if you will, as it goes to the wide receiver room. Who's going to get the ball? Juju Smith Schuster comes in. McCole Hardman, who we've seen glimpses of. Valdes Gantley coming in from Green Bay. You got those guys. The youngster, Sky Moore. Josh Gordon, has he got anything? Just on and on and on. How does this break down? When you look at the wide receiver room, how do you think that the the balls and maybe the opportunity coming their way is going to play out?
2: Well, I think it's going to be pretty similar when Tyreek wasn't on the field last year. I think. Mahomes had a couple of his better games. And not, I'm listen. I'm not discounting Tyreek Hill and his importance to the team and the offense. But you know, it forced Mahomes to look at the field more. And as long as the offensive line holds up, which I think it will, um, you know, he can spread the ball to all those guys you mentioned. You know, Skymore brings a, a Tyreek Hill kind of uh, uh, game uh, to the field. You still got Kelsey. gigi has got, uh, got something to prove. Kellen's got something to Harden's got something to prove. You got all these guys that have something to prove, but you know, the quarterback has a say in this too. And, you know, I thought it was impressive that Mahomes had all these guys down in Texas not only working on throwing passes, but his trainer was working with all these guys. You know, that's a that's a pretty serious commitment and a pretty it's something that, you know, we've seen before, but not at this scale. Where he took all the offensive guys he could get and worked with him for a couple of weeks. So I think that's gonna pay dividends, and that's why I think that learning process going into the OTs and minicamps, you're going to see them spread the ball a lot, and I think that's going to be the mantra in uh, this season.
1: Yeah, for as much as Tyree Kill was one of one and continues to be one of one... Um... You know, this is going to force the Chiefs to kind of utilize the depth a little bit. And so, like, you know, they didn't go and get a Tyreek Hill replacement. They went and got an MVS who's got speed, who can stretch the field. They still have McColl, who, you know, despite only seeing him in spurts, he's got speed, he can stretch the field, they can get gimmicky with him. They brought in a guy like Sky Morgan, do a lot of different things. They brought in Juju on kind of a one-year prove-it deal. And, you know, he's kind of at his best out of the slot, but you can use him in a a few different ways. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, you know what, that's six years in a row of 1,000 receiving yards, like, You know, they they didn't just go and get a one of one replacement. They got a bunch of guys here that are I think are really gonna kinda open up Mahomes' skill set a little bit more because now defenses can't just play too high shell. They can't just play you know, they can't just drop eight, right? Like they've got there's a lot of ground they're going to have to cover on the field defensively if they want to try and slow this Chiefs uh, team down. At least like on paper, right? Like we got to see these guys actually right. play a game to see what they're really made sure. of. But yeah, like there's there's a lot more ground here to, for teams to cover because you know they can't just sit back and you know take away the deep ball. Like they got to do a bunch of different things.
2: Right. Well, I think the key is going to be running the ball more. Um, you know, they, they 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 they've got to make a commitment to that. I think that they had something that really hurt them last year whether it was the lack of trust in the offensive line or, or it was the lack of trust in the running backs. Um, you know, we saw some productive runners, I think, in that last game, the championship game. Had they run the ball more, they'd probably win that football game. But, you know, that's something Andy Reid's always been um, reluctant to do. But <clears throat> I don't think he's ever had the potential of an offensive line. And, you know, back in Philadelphia in the early stages of his career, you know, you had you had five guys up front, who were just, you know, bohemian mammoth offensive linemen, pancake blockers. You know, they could, they could pass block, they could run block. You know, I think this has a chance to be one of the best offensive lines in Chiefs history. Um, but they've got to make a commitment to running the football. That's going to open up all that passing stuff. That's going to take away that, you know, eight guys going back. Because, listen, if there's eight guys back, that means this offensive line can pick up, you know, blocking five, six, seven, eight yards to carry. Um, you know, so, and I, I think people know that that's probably a shift the Chiefs are going to make, but Andy Reid has to commit to it, and I think he will. I, I think something that's gone completely unnoticed is bringing Nagy back as to be the quote unquote quarterback's coach. I personally think he's more the offensive coordinator than anything else, but Nagy's going to, Nagy did a terrific job with that, with, uh, with Mahomes his rookie season when he was with Alex Smith. And, uh, you know, he likes to run the ball. Um, I think this offense is going to change enough without Tyreek Hill, but I think adding the element of the running game. Now that it looks like they've got some some solid running backs, uh, they've got some young guys that are being given a chance, uh, but but they have to make that commitment. If they do, everything else opens offensively from homes to receivers to tight ends, and this offense could be about as unstoppable, regardless of all the additions that all these other NC teams have made. Uh, if they have that kind of balance, nobody's going to beat them.
0: Talking Chiefs football right now with Nick Athen. You can find him at Chiefs Insider on Twitter. Nick, uh wanna jump into a little bit of our conversation last week and bring Cody into this uh-huh. one about the okay. future of of the sports complex there. With Kaufman, with Arrowhead. And and I thought Cody brought up something off air. We were talking today a little bit about it. Is the possibility. First of all, what happens with the Royals? I think everybody anticipates they're gonna end up downtown. But if you remake that area where Arrowhead currently is, and maybe create something like Ballpark Village in St. Louis, create with shops and dining and restaurants and those kind of things, is is that something that a the Chiefs are thinking about? And something you think could work big picture?
2: Well, the problem is the state of Missouri. The Chiefs have been asking that for two decades, yeah, and they've just ignored it, and they don't think they're going to move. And you know, they have the they have, and they're they're about to find out that you know they're going to. Missouri's going to lose the second NFL team uh, if can can if, if the Chiefs go over to KcK which I personally think is more likely than not the problem is you know they had all these grand ideas they were going to put a hotel over there they were going to put shops over there they were going to put businesses over there they were going to create this multi-purpose facility to hose the house of you know uh, final fours and, and and Super Bowls and all these things and they dropped the ball on the roof idea, what, 10, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, just because somebody didn't put it on paper on the voting ballot the proper way. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that Missouri has done. Listen, uh, listen, airhead is a beautiful place. The sidelines for that stadium can never be duplicated. I've said this a thousand times. It's the perfect view in any seat to watch a game that, that is unmatched by any other facility in the country. However, just look with the, you know, the Washington, what are they called, commanders now, Redskins, whatever. Um, you know, putting, they just bought some land. They want to put a $3 billion structure up, which is exactly what the Chiefs want to do. And you add the gambling element, which passed in Kansas, failed in Missouri. There are rumors I've heard that um, the Hard Rock Cafe had talked about maybe doing something in St. Louis, and now they're focusing more on the Kansas side. If, indeed, the Chiefs move, you're going to have shops, entertainment practice facility. You're going to have casino. You're going to have all these things, a Hall of Fame, all these things perfectly put together in an area and space that can start construction by the end of the year if they wanted to. So it's not like this is a complicated or difficult decision by the Chiefs. The state of Missouri has had all of these scenarios thrown out their, their way and have yet to do anything because they spent all that time and money in St. Louis, and now it's coming back to haunt them. So, I think for Kansas City, you know, Mark Donovan is the the president and CEO of the smart guy. There's no reason to bring up, hey, I'm looking at Kansas if he's not already talking to Kansas. And I'm not talking about, hey, we might be thinking of coming over there. It's more like, okay, here's what we'll give you. This is how we'll put this together. I'm sure stadium drawings and facility drawings are being put together. The Chiefs are serious about this and they want to make a move whether they stay in Missouri or go to Kansas. And I suspect that before the uh, um, uh, draft is held in Kansas City next year, we're going to have that answer.
1: Points are well taken. I guess I find it. I I think the Chiefs. Are, I, you you may know more than me just because you probably talk to more Chiefs people than, than I do. Um, you know, because most of my conversations are with other fans. I think the I think they're waiting. The Chiefs are waiting on the Royals to move first. And then, I mean, because I feel like that would open up a lot of other opportunities for them to either stay in Kansas, like to stay in Missouri, to pit, you know, Missouri plans and Kansas plans against each other, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's only going to benefit the Chiefs, right? Like who's going to drive the price up more, who's going to, you know, try and create more opportunity, right? Because, you know, once the Royals move, um, you know, we're all assuming that they're going to be downtown at some point soon. Um, They will be. Do you make an entertainment complex out there at, you know, in that parking lot, right? Or do you you know, like what what are the possibilities there for the Chiefs? Like that's that's an intriguing conversation too, because I mean that that could I know that the the gambling aspect of this is probably huge and could be, you know, a bigger driver than maybe we know in terms of trying to get the Chiefs to KCK. Um but, you know, hey, I, that, that's a lot, you know, you can create a mini entertainment district out there, kind of like, you know, what um, what Trent was saying with the Ballpark Village. You could do that with the Chiefs, right? You could right. put a handful of bars and restaurants out there. You know, you can kind of dive more into the fan experience. Um, that sort of thing, you know, because I, it's you know it's it's hard to you know get a family of four out to an NFL game, right? You know the diehards are going to be there, but how are you going to get sure. more Chiefs fans? You know, because it is you know a growing fan base with how good the team has continued to do over the last few years. How are you going to get more people out there? How are you going to get more people out to the game day experience? You know, what kind of opportunities does more right. space offer? You know, can they just can they tear down Kauffman and rebuild a brand new stadium right next to it? Um, you know, I don't want to see Arrowhead go away <laughs> because I love that place, but right. that's an option that's on the table. And so I, I wonder, you know, maybe, maybe if they're, I don't know, like I, maybe this is me asking them to be a little bit more patient and wait for the Royals to move first to just kind of see what other opportunities are there.
2: Right. Well, uh, the Royals are moving downtown. It's a done deal. It's going to happen. Yeah. There's, I, I it, it, they're moving. The problem with all this is math, and the math is is Patrick Mahomes. If the Chiefs decide to move to Kansas City, Kansas. They can be in their new cathedral, a dome stadium in Kansas, Kansas, within four years before the guy hits 30. If they do what you suggest and say, okay, let's wait to tear down Morrill Stadium and then build the stadium, you're talking about another three plus years. So you're talking about six or seven years. Mahomes is going to be in his early 30s. And listen, the Chiefs want to build, you know, a Patrick Mahomes stadium. I mean, they want a place to where, you know, this is the guy that drove the franchise back. It's the guy who's rooted in the community. They want to take advantage of this in his 30s. If they wait till he's in his mid-30s to get all this done, you don't know what kind of quarterback you're going to have. You don't know what kind of team you're going to have. You know, it's difficult. And, again, I stress this because the state of Missouri has drug their feet. They have not accommodated the Chiefs. They have not done the things that they want. And I feel bad for the taxpayers. But the NFL is a business. It will always be a business. And anybody who thinks otherwise, you know, just it, it's not the same anymore. I mean, I grew up with, you know, the, the 60s team. You know, Bobby Bell and Hank Strand were my neighbors growing up. I mean, we were family. We'd go to each other's houses. We would just hang out. And, and you know, the Chiefs were happy at Arrowhead and happy at me, to move from municipal. And then over the last 20 years, you see these cathedrals being built. And the Chiefs tried and accommodated Jackson County and the state of Missouri and said, okay, we'll stay, we'll resign our leases. The Royals bought into, we want some changes and upgrades, but those upgrades and changes are outdated. They're not the type of go-to destination facilities that you see in other parts of the country, and the Chiefs have the greatest player in the NFL right now, and they don't have the amenities around it to make the experience even better for fans and you know, I mean, if they go to Kansas City, Kansas, you're talking about a 20 minute drive difference for those in Missouri.
1: Yeah, I'm not. Like, I'm not a... terribly upset if they end up going to KCK because, like, my my parents yeah. live right by the border, right? <laughs> like, that's not going to break yeah. me up. But like, I know <laughs> right. there, there's a lot of people that but take lot, pride in the Missouri Kansas thing.
2: Sure, and a lot of people, you know, are going to be upset. And I've always said, you know, the name State Line Road has just been a, a detriment to the city. I mean, Kansas and Missouri should be working. Should have been working together. On a lot of different projects, and they just never did it, and they never did it right. And that's a problem. And so now you've got, you know, <clears throat> you've got Kansas versus Missouri, you know, to, to take, um, you know, a beloved franchise and move them into a different state because the leaders can't get out of their own way. Again, the gambling thing is huge, it's, it's, it's massively large in the concept of this entire process. Missouri has sheltered for at least. 12 months. That's a year. That's a lifetime when it comes to stadium stuff. You know, they, the chiefs could be breaking ground in a year in Kansas city, Kansas. They have to wait. They don't know if they're going to pass because there's a lot of internal politics. You know, Kansas said, Hey, we're just going to do it. You know, it was, that bill was dead a four or five weeks ago. And they just said, no, 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 we're going to save this thing. And they all work together. They put up, you know, some loose screen language in there. Uh, But at the end of the day, the governor's signing it. It's going to be effective in July. So, um, you know, that's, that's everything. You, you look at these casinos, you look at the NFL and the relationship with Caesars. My goodness, I mean, I never thought, ever, DraftKings, Caesars, all these companies that have gambling aspects that, that the NFL would, would buy into. And it's going to be a huge form of revenue. And if you don't have a team or a franchise that is not taking advantage of that because the money the Chiefs are going to earn from that aspect of those relationships in the gambling world are significant and to boot, the players get a, get a piece of that, too. Good so. stuff.
0: Hey, Nick, uh, we're out of time here today. Always appreciate okay. the conversation. So much good stuff. Talking Chiefs and, and the future of what Arrowhead or the new stadium's going to look like. Thank you so much for your time today, Nick.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much.
0: That's Nick Athan, Chiefs Insider. Quick timeout. We'll put a cap on the hour. When we come back, Miller & Condon continues on 106.3. time All right, back with you one final time. It's Miller and Conan. It wasn't KX 106.3 KXNO. One more hour to go, and Cody Goodwin joining me here today. So, opinions change at all? That Kansas side of the Kansas City Missouri border. Maybe a little more info than you thought about the possibility that the Chiefs would go a little bit westward.
1: I. No, I, I still have a hard time believing that they'll actually up and go. Um,. And I think the I think the Royals leaving first, and I get what he means about like urgency about you know let's 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 reward Mahomes while he's still young, right? That that guy's going to play till he's forty five. Like he's going to have a Tom Brady length (laughs) career. Um, You know, I I I'd like to. I'm of the belief that perhaps they'll wait until the Royals move first. It would make sense just so you have all your options on the table. I get where he's coming from, though. It's an intriguing proposition to move over there as quickly as possible, especially with all these brand-new stadiums being built all over the country. Like, that's – I get it. I understand.
0: Coming up the second hour, Bill Bender from the Sporting News is going to join us. We'll talk college football, NIL with him. Kickoff, our number two. We're going to talk about the greatest sport movie. We'll see what Cody thinks. He's oh a little
2: young. Oh, my. Oh, my.